Hey, welcome to the C3 Church Victory Podcast. We pray this message will inspire you and activate your faith. Thanks for joining us. We're going we're gonna to jump into Mark this morning though, chapter 1, verse 40 to 45. And uh, this is going to be the last message we do under the banner of announcing authority. All of Mark 1, Jesus has been announcing himself, or you could say that his miracles have been announcing his authority. Um, And so Mark 1 is all about the announcement. It's setting the scene. It's the intro. It's like, you better know who Jesus is. He has all authority in heaven and on earth. And he has authority over the demonic. He has authority over, over sickness. He has authority. So, so the whole of Mark 1 has just been the entree, all right? It's like a degustation we're in as a church at the moment. You know, like a, I think it's like, I think Mark has 12 or 13 chapters, maybe 19. I don't know. I should probably study that. 16, there we go. 16 course degustation. And I don't want you to get lost. I don't want you to get lost in the length, all right? I want you to come every Sunday with an expectation that we are reading something new about the life of Jesus. All right? Let's not get like carried away with, oh, this Mark series is going to go. No, no, no. We're just in God's Word. We are in God's Word, and we are learning about Him, and we are being challenged. So Mark 1, 40 to 45, it says this. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. Other translations say angry, which will be fun to, we'll pull that apart in a second. He reached out with his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed and Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, He went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news as a result. Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but he stayed outside in lonely places, yet the people still came to him from everywhere. Can we we pray? Father, we thank you for your word. We pray right now that you would speak to us, that you would encourage us and challenge us. Father, we love you and we thank you for all you are to us. In Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. 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 Do you, do you remember, I hope you do, some, it may have been a little traumatic, so you've, you've kind of barred it from your memories, uh, but I remember, I remember being in lockdown, and um, is it too soon? Sorry, sorry everyone. But I remember, like, I, I have hay fever pretty bad at times, okay? And so for me, lockdown was a really interesting experience because um, I would often go to the shops and I have a habit of sneezing. Um, and, and or coughing, all, all of which is really just because I have hay fever. But it's amazing how what was just hay fever suddenly now became one of the most judged experiences of my life. I, I, I began to find myself like walking around Woolworths afraid that I would sneeze or cough, that somehow I would be presumed that, whoa, he's got the, he's got the disease. Right? So you're like... <clears throat> You're like trying to cough, but not really. Or you're like, you're doing the sneeze where you feel like you kill brain cells, right? Like you're trying to hold it in. I'm really, I'm really bad at that. I like have these moments in my kid's room after they've gone to sleep. I'm like walking in, you know, like as you do as a parent, trying to clean up later. And I'm like, oh no, there's a sneeze coming. And I will like, I'll attempt to do the silent sneeze and end up doing like a, and it'll be louder than if I'd just done a normal sneeze. But I remember, I remember lockdown was like, we began to get paranoid about what people thought of what 
had previously just been normal life, right? And it's like, oh, what do people, what do people think if I cough? What do people think if I sneeze? I don't know if you still feel like that. I still feel like that a little bit, particularly with everything that's going around at the moment. But, you know, what we read, what we read in, in Scripture today is this man with, man with leprosy. And we're going to explore this idea of how, how actually we begin, to, we begin to fear what people might see about us. Last week, who was in church last week? Everyone online has their hand up. I know they do. Uh, Last week, we talked about discipline. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed that message. Uh, hopefully, hopefully, you did too. That being a disciple, you know, like, has to have discipline inherently invested in it, right? Like, we can't be a disciple and not develop discipline. That there, the diff, we talked about the fact that often the difference between who we are and who we want to be is, is discipline. It's developing that, and actually that's not to be done just because we grit our teeth, but actually a fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives is this self-control. It, it, we get to have the capacity to have discipline from the Spirit. But, I love, I love when I come across but in Scripture, because it often really helps me. It often really helps me. I can read one thing and be like, how, how, and then there's a but. But let's... Let's be honest, because we all have that one thing. We all have that one thing that no matter how much discipline we try to direct towards it, disciplines, it's just not doing it. We all have that one thing that really no amount of discipline is able to solve in our lives. The one thing that, just like this man with leprosy, it takes you to your knees. It's the thing that takes you out. It's the thing that, that, that diminishes your confidence, that, that, that somehow breaks you a little bit from, you know, you come out of church on Sunday and you're like, you're high, you're living life, you're confident, you know who you are in Christ. And then this thing creeps into the back of your mind Monday morning. And it doesn't matter how disciplined you are. It's still there. It's still lurking in the background of your mind or in your body. And it reminds you of a reality that somehow discipline just doesn't seem to conquer. Could be physical, could be emotional, could be mental. There's many people who struggle with things like anxiety and depression, and I think too often in church we've, we've, just, we've just put them in a bucket. Well, you, you just need prayer. Sometimes those things are symptoms of something that is, that is a whole lot more difficult to deal with, that's a whole lot more deeper. And like the man in our passage, it's this one thing that, that is in our lives. It's, it's what makes us desperate to be free. It's what makes us desperate to be healed or cleansed. And really what happens, hopefully what happens is that the discipline actually at some point in our lives gives way to desperation. Because, because desperation is what we see that this man has. For someone to come with leprosy who, who, if we read the Old Testament where the law that the Israelites lived by at that time articulates the boundaries and the things that, that someone who had leprosy would have to have abided by. I mean, they were outcasts from society. They were not allowed to come in and to physically associate with those who were clean. And so the, even for this man to come toward Jesus is breaking all kinds of, of social norms. And, and he throw, it says he throws himself at the feet of Jesus. There is something about desperation that is very different to discipline. Because, because discipline actually looks like a life that is getting a little bit more civilized, a little bit more ordered, a little bit more under control. 
Desperation is the absolute opposite of all of that. Desperation is where you're at a point where you are, you are, you are, you are done. It's not civilized and it's not pretty. It's not well presented. And you know, sometimes I wonder if we have pursued looking right over allowing ourselves to get desperate. Have we resolved to live with our stuff because desperate is out of date? Somehow we've grown beyond desperate. Like as an adult, like I love our young people, Victory Youth represent. I see some hoodies behind the cameras. Come on. It's okay when you're a teenager, you get desperate at youth camp. It's okay to throw yourself at the altar on youth camp. Oh, now I'm 20. Oh, now I'm almost 40 desperate out of date. Now I just have to live with it. Or maybe, maybe it's just too difficult. Or maybe it feels a little bit too socially awkward. Oh, I don't, I don't want to be like that in front of people. You see, before we get desperate, we pretend we don't have it. We come to church with our presented face on. We come into this community, a community that is supposed to love and have grace. And we all come in pretending we've got it all together. When the truth is none of us have it all together. Every single one of us has at least, and I say at least because I know I've got at least five that come to mind right now, right? But I'm going to be gracious and, and think you're probably a little bit further along in your journey than me. So maybe you've just got the one. But we've all got at least the one thing. Now you can pretend you don't, you can tell yourself you don't, you can block out the thoughts that tell you you do, and you can just be in denial about the fact that you do, but the reality is you do. You can be having the best week of your life. It doesn't matter that underneath that, there's still some things. You see, normally, most of us are pretty good at hiding it. It's a little bit like, it's a little bit like leprosy, right? Leprosy in Scripture is actually not a single disease, most scholars these days would say that, that leprosy is, an, is, a, is a blanket statement for skin diseases that, that presented themselves on the surface of the body, right? And so anyone here with, with eczema, if you lived in the Old Testament times, that would not have gone well for you, all right? So praise God you live today where we can get a little, little cream, put it on, we can still come to church, we don't get outcast. But leprosy is this, it's this blanket term for skin disease, and you can imagine, right, the first day, Little light, little, little thing starts to come out. First thing you're doing is, you know, you're suddenly starting a new fashion trend. I'm hiding that hand. No one's seeing that hand, right? And if there's situations and circumstances where we can't handle it or can't hide it, right, what we do is we just we disengage just enough. We disengage just enough in here to make sure that the Word of God doesn't actually trigger us to need to deal with it. We attend in body, but whenever the word of God presses on something, we switch something off in our mind and we're like, hmm. And I see it. I see it from the platform because it looks like body language. You're no longer leaning in. You're making sure it doesn't hit you. Because you don't want to deal with it when it does. Who preferred the discipline message? Yeah. Right, so, so when we try to hide it, we do two things. We either don't do certain things or we overdo certain things. So we do all the right things so that people can't tell. 
We're, o- we're overly happy all the time. I never have a bad day. We're over-exuberant in conversations because we're trying to hide the fact that actually we have social anxiety. Because underneath that, there's a real deep wound of rejection and we don't actually know how to be around people without, without acting out of that wound. And so, you know, leprosy, according to law, would cause more than just, it was more than just a, a physical. Because it presented as a physical. It was a skin disease, but the result of that skin disease was a whole lot. It was a whole lot deeper. I imagine, I imagine this, this man, when he first got whatever it was that he had that it's classified as leprosy, you know, it's like, it's like us. We start wearing long sleeves in summer. It's like going to the beach with jeans on. Someone holds a pool party and you find a reason not to go. You start making excuses not to go to places, not to hang out with people. And just like us, we start pulling back from people. We start pulling back from certain social circles, certain spaces, certain levels of engagement, certain places in our life. Maybe it's because you know you're awkward in that space, or maybe because it hurts too much. Or maybe it's because the temptation is too real, or the guilt or the shame hurts too much. You see, a leper doesn't just get a skin disease. A leper ends up losing everything. A leper ends up losing their family, losing their job, losing their income, losing their house, losing their friends, losing their status, whatever it was in society. They, they were completely cast out, rejected, abandoned, and banished. Leprosy was on the surface, but rejection, abandonment, social trauma, these things are much deeper. And I find it really interesting that as we read through this, you know, Jesus, Jesus didn't have to touch the man to clean him. Jesus just say a word. Just say a word, just be healed. In fact, there's records in Scripture where Jesus didn't even need to go. He just said to someone, hey, you, just go back, it's done. So don't skim when you read Scripture. Why did Jesus touch this man? Because we don't know how long it's been since he's been touched by someone. Physical contact. Who remembers when we weren't allowed to be within 1.5, was it 1.5? I can't remember. 1.5 meters of anybody. Right? We weren't allowed to hug someone when they came into church. We do all these weird like, hi. Don't touch me. You see, because Jesus, Jesus was about what's deeper. He could have cleansed him with a word, but he knew that a touch would deal with the social stigma. He knew that a touch would restore the damage of rejection and abandonment. He knew the touch would do way more than simply the surface healing. He knew that he could say to the man, you're healed, he'd be healed. And we know what he says. He says, now go and, and show the priest, abide by the law of Moses, make sure it's all sorted. You know what? If he hadn't have done that, if he just cleansed him, then the man would not have been let back into society. There are some processes that it's, it's, it's valuable to go through as we journey towards our healing in some of these areas. Sometimes it's a partnership between the Holy Spirit and some ministry and going and seeing a professional 
that can help you process. You see, the man wanted clean. Don't we all just want clean? We just want the surface issue to be dealt with. God, just make me not awkward. And God's like, I can't do that unless I deal with what's deeper. You see, the man just wanted to be clean. Why? Because surface clean means I'm allowed to go back. Surface clean means I'm allowed to function. Problem is he would have functioned with a whole lot of dysfunction still on the inside. And that's what we do, right? We just want to look good on the outside. We just want to be perfect. We just want to be clean. We just want to act right, do right. And when the the issues that are inside of us stop us from doing that, what's our prayer? God, fix this. Make me not that God. And God's like, I can. Just, I just need to, I just need to touch your life in a way that's a whole lot deeper. So true for me and you. What shows on the surface is so often only a symptom. It's deeper than you think it is. You see, we, we care so much about what people see. On the surface, what people see. And so we just want Jesus to deal with what's seen. But what's seen is just, it's just a symptom. You see, the man with leprosy, the disease was a skin disease. You could argue, well, the disease was on the surface. Yeah, but the trauma was underneath. The real pain was underneath. The real hurt, the real reason that he would have struggled even returning to community was because the pain of the rejection of that very community. And so I don't know what your one thing is. I, I know a minor. Is it, is it abandonment? Is it rejection? Is it shame? Is it guilt? Do you replay the things you've done wrong in your mind? They cause you to just sink away from the confidence that we have in Christ Jesus? Are you reminded by the enemy in your mind just replaying that thing that you don't do well or that thing that you keep having to come to Jesus and ask, forgive me, Father. And he's like, I already did. So many of us carry different levels of trauma from our childhood. We carry insecurities. We try to prove because we need validation. We don't understand our value, so we seek it in all sorts of other spaces. I don't know what's under the surface for you, but I know, I know that this thing is so much deeper than you think it is. And Jesus, I love this, Jesus is indignant about this situation. Not the man, not the man, not you. Jesus is never indignant towards you. He's not angry at you. Certain translations use the word anger at this point. Jesus was angry. Do you know what Jesus was angry about? Jesus is angry because the, the pain and the hurt and the suffering that this man is experiencing as a result of the weight of sin on the world. He's looking at his child hurting on so many levels. And I imagine what's rising in him is this. This is not right. 
This is not okay. This is not how it should be. This is not how I created humanity and the world to function. And I don't know about you, but when I create something and it doesn't function a certain way that I, that I expected it to, I get really frustrated at it as well. Jesus isn't frustrated at the man. He's frustrated about what sin and its weight and its effect does in our lives and the way we have to walk with pain and trauma and fear and these things that attach themselves to these situations that are in our lives, these circumstances that are way deeper. Uh, We get to this part of the scripture. I should probably go back to it every now and again. We get to this part of the scripture. This man, desperate, throws himself at the feet of Jesus saying, if you are willing. And I love, I love it when you, you come across the, the tension in Scripture, right? Because this point right here, this is, the, this is the tension of the whole story. Because you have a man who is at his wit's end. He is, he is you can, it's like throwing himself, begging. I think my, my Bible in the NIV says he's begging Jesus on his knees. And he is like, if. And if has this elongated gap after it. Like, if you're willing, and there is a tension that sits in the air because he is unsure if Jesus is going to be. He is unsure as to what is exactly going to happen at this point because for every sense of the law that he lives under, he should be banished. He should be dragged out of that place. He is supposed to not throw himself at the feet of Jesus and say, can you heal me? He is supposed to go around saying, unclean, unclean. That's in, that's in Scripture. You read Leviticus 13 and 14. That is what someone with, diagnosed with leprosy had to do. Walk around saying, unclean. He throws himself at the feet of Jesus, completely uncertain as to what Jesus is, how he's going to respond. But he's heard stories. He's heard testimonies in the community. Jesus did this in my life. You know what, I walked into church one day and I was bound up with, with all of these things, these fears and, and, and all of this stuff. And, and Jesus set me free from those things. And he's heard those stories. He's heard stories of people who have prayed for 30 years for their spouse and then they find themselves in the house. I'm telling you, like, we've got to talk testimonies. And there's a tension in our lives. Because we're not sure if Jesus is willing. You've got to know that your belief about Jesus will dictate how you approach him with your issue. Because if you don't think he's willing, then you will hold it and hide it. And it will stay hidden and eating away at the inside of you. You see, this man, he believed Jesus could. And I don't know what preacher said it, but some preacher said, you know what, we don't doubt if Jesus can, we doubt if he can with me. And that's the tension of this, this moment right now because he'd heard stories. He, knew, he knows Jesus can, but are you willing? Are you willing? Are you willing to do it with, with me, like with my thing? Because my thing's pretty bad, Jesus. I don't know how you define your thing. Maybe you're not like me and you don't think about it that much. How do you perceive Jesus? Do you think he's standing off, separating himself from you because you're unclean? 
Is he disappointed in you? Is he angry with you? Is he unwilling because you feel like you caused your own mistake? Is he waiting for you to prove yourself somehow to take the first big step and then he'll meet you halfway? Can I tell you that Jesus meeting you halfway is not in Scripture? Do you think he's disinterested in you, upset with you? Because how you perceive him will dictate how you respond to him with that thing, that thing that all the discipline in the world is not going to deal with. Can I tell you something? His response to this man is exactly the same as his response to you. I am willing He has always been willing. He is so willing. He left heaven. He came to earth. He went through the most traumatic, brutal, horrific death because he was willing. No one murdered Jesus. He willingly laid down his life. You want to find a scripture that reminds you of his willingness? That's your scripture. He willingly laid down his life like a lamb led to the slaughter. He willingly went to the cross. Why? Because he knew the cross was the only thing that could deal with whatever it is that sits under the surface of your life that somehow you feel like you're too ashamed to bring to Christ. And he's like, I know, I know about it anyway. Just let me help you. I'm so willing, I went to the cross. Don't hide. Don't pull back. He is willing to help you. He is willing to work with you. You are not too difficult. You are never too damaged. You are never too dysfunctional for God. People have a limit to their capacity, but God never does. He has no limit to his capacity with you. You are not too dirty, complicated, messy, or weird for Jesus. And I believe this morning, Jesus wants to do for you exactly what he did for that man. He wants to reach out and he wants to touch your life because Jesus touches the untouchable. And in a moment, bridges the social ostracization. I think I just made up a word, but it works. (laughs) Here's the thing. The whole Levitical law is established on the fact that the unclean is more powerful than the clean. The whole law is set up that if someone is unclean for whatever reason, and I mean, if you really want to have a tough reading plan, you just go and read Leviticus. That'll sort you out for, you won't touch the Bible again for a little while. But the whole of Leviticus is is explaining all of these things that make you unclean. And when you're unclean, you need to like isolate for seven days. None of us know how to do that, right? But the reason being because, because to them, the unclean was more powerful. So the unclean had to separate. If you touch that, you're now going to become unclean. So what was clean would become unclean because of proximity and touch. Oh, but not with Jesus. Not with Jesus. Because when Jesus touches the unclean, 
When Jesus touches your life, the unclean is not more powerful. The clean, the, the kingdom of light is way more powerful than the kingdom of darkness. The, the, the clean is way more powerful than the unclean. The blood of Jesus is way more powerful than any single thing in your life at all. There is nothing in your life that somehow Jesus touching you is going to make him unclean. No, him touching you makes you clean. It takes away the stain of sin. It removes it from you completely. It's no longer there. It wipes it out. It is, it is not even worth talking about in the same breath the power of the unclean versus the cleanliness of Jesus. And I want to tell you today that that same authority that Jesus has when he spoke to the man and said, be clean, he still has today. When he said to the demon, possessed man, be free. Same authority. When he says to you, forgiven, same authority. That's not in question. Healed, it's not in question. Sometimes we have to work, walk it out, but the truth of his declaration is never in question. So his willingness and his authority remain today. He is still willing. He is still able. Thanks for making time to hear this message today. We encourage you to connect with us by heading to c3victory.org.au. 